together to sing and to worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for just putting that desire to invite you. Now, Lord, not only do we ask that, Lord, that you would be among us, but that we would enter in, enter into your word. We love you, Father. We just ask for your blessing upon us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen, amen. amen. God bless you guys. You may be seated. Well, we uh, currently are going through the life and <clears throat> the ministry of Jesus, uh, but because of, uh, I don't even like calling it the holidays anymore, you know, because of the Christmas season, I love that, uh, I, I'm gonna ta- just going to change up a little bit this morning, and uh, I'm going to have you turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, and uh, I've already blown it, I was supposed to make an announcement first. Um, The IBS course um, that's coming up uh, January, uh, the the announcement's this, if you have signed up for it and you have not received an email from us as of yet, uh, probably it was because I couldn't read your handwriting, just saying. Um, and, or I just re- typed it in wrong. So if you did not receive, you signed up and you did not receive an email uh, from us, would you please, there's a sign-up sheet in the back, just, would you, if you don't mind, uh, just re-sign up or just sign up your name again and, uh, and put in your email address again so I can uh, uh, get a hold of you this, this, this week. Does that make sense? Clear to you? Yeah, again, uh, we're doing IBS, uh, the, and the reason why we're doing this is because the, towards the end of January, the beginning of February, we're going to start um, uh, putting more home fellowships in place around our church. We're going to have one in Virgo, one in National Park, Colonial Manor, Thoroughfare, and all, right around here. And of course, there'll be others outside of the neighborhood as well. But my heart is to reach our Jerusalem, which is the surrounding areas around the church. And so if you want to host, a, host it or if you want to teach it, uh, you'll you'll be required to go through this course. So um, you can sign up for it. You can come the first couple of times, and if it's not you, you can bail out, um, and that's perfectly A-OK too. But if that's something that you have been praying about, you need to come to that. We are in Luke chapter uh, 1 this morning, and um, I know Rich uh, looked at it on uh, Wednesday uh, but I want to primarily look at Mary this morning. And um, so let's pick it up at verse 26. We'll read through our text. And of course, as we normally do, we'll stand and we'll pray over it. It says in verse 26, Luke one twenty-six, that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man who, whose name was Joseph, of the house and of the uh, and of David and the, I'm sorry, let me start that over again. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel said, or answered, and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, She hath also conceived a son in her old age, 
And this is in six months with her and who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into, this, into a city of Judah, entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Pardon me. And said, uh, and spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord shall come unto me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now Mary breaks out in poetry. Some believe it's actually a song. <clears throat> Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty has done to me great things, and holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from, from their seats, exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent, away, he has sent empty away. He has opened his servant Israel. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has baked to his fathers or to our fathers and to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her house. Let's stand together and pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, really, the Word, the Holy Spirit, that's what really makes this season so meaningful to us. That's why without hesitation, rather than say, have a happy holiday, we would rather say, have a Merry Christmas. I pray for us, Father, that during this time, we would keep Christ Father, in the center of all things, that we, it would be a time where we would remember this message about John and Elizabeth and about Mary and Joseph and about the babe. And that even tomorrow evening, Father, as we gather together here, Father, that your Holy Spirit, God, would anoint this place, Father, and that, that the word would fall on open ears and that those that might not have ever received the gift from heaven would receive it that evening, God, please. We ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. But again, thank you for your word. It is sharp. It is powerful. And as we sit here together and we study the word together, may that sword even be sharpened a little more. That we would be able to give the reason why we have a hope. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love this word. We ask, Father, again for that anointing upon the mind and the heart to receive all the spirits so that desires to fill our hearts with. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said together, Amen. Amen. Man, it is not fun getting old. I am falling apart at a rapid rate. Man, my feet are killing me. They tell me I got this thing called, uh, oh, what, what's it called? Fibromyitis or something. What is it, Dave? That thing, yeah. I haven't been to the doctors yet. That, that's January 4th. Pray for me, man. I, and then my, my knee, I got done in 2004. Now, they told me that the shelf life for a knee is about 15 years. Well, do the math. It's starting to come apart. I'm falling apart. Praise the Lord. I got hope that he's returning soon. 
I'm going to get a glorified body with two solid knees, long hair, ripping muscles, man. All you old people are going, oh, thank you, Jesus. You young people are going, no, not yet, not yet. I'm okay. What a glorious week uh, I, I've been having, you know, well, last week was, you know, and uh, just, you know, trying to get ready, you know, for, for Christmas, Christmas Eve, listening to the choir practice the other night, guy. it was just so awesome, and and I'm just so thankful that we have Christ. Amen, guys? I really think today Christmas is just, t- to the world, it really has become just a holiday. You know, no wonder they want to change it because really it's meaningless for most part anymore. Okay, it's a time a family will get together, but for what? You know, I, for you and I, it, it, there's significance behind it. And as we study the word, and we just see, you know, the heart of, of, of Zacharias. We see the heart of Elizabeth, you know. And, and of course, jo- we don't know that much about Joseph. Some have speculated Joseph just falls off the scene, you know. He did want to divorce her. He wanted to put her away privately. That was in her heart. We don't know if he stayed with her. We don't know if he bailed out. We don't know if he died young. People want to give him a break and just say he kind of died young. But we don't even have historical records of what happened with good old Joseph, you know. I think he was a good man, but I think unlike uh, Zacharias and, and, and Mary, there was no visitation other than that Joseph had a dream. That was about it. But be that as it may, um, just to kind of give you a, a, the context of, of where we're at, uh, the angel comes to Zacharias. Again, we think he's around 90 years old, Zacharias. He is serving in the priesthood. He's serving in the temple at that time. And the angel Gabriel gives him this announcement that his, his prayer is heard. If you, look, if you look in chapter 1 real quickly, um, you'll notice where it says to Zacharias... Verse 13, the angel said unto the Zechariah, your prayer is heard, not was heard. And I think that's significant because when it comes to prayer, all that we know about prayer, prayer is in the eternal. And we have to remember that. Your prayer is being heard right now. I'm not praying here, but you did at one time. Maybe you prayed last week. Maybe you prayed as you were coming in. That prayer is still being heard in the eternal. And that's what makes it so glorious, by the way, because sometimes we can pray out of the will of God. God won't he won't answer prayer out of his will, but he, he, we can pray out of it. How many of us ever heard, Lord, I want to be conformed more and more into your image? Have you ever prayed that? Yeah, right? And then have you ever prayed, prayed a, a prayer of bailout? Lord, I don't want to go through this. But you just prayed that I would, you're still praying that in the eternal, that you want to be more like me. Now, what do you want? You want to bail out or you want to be more like me? Is he prayer is eternal, man. When we get to heaven, Revelation says that when God is finally, when the bowl is let loose and the incense is coming, it's the prayers of the saints and it's still in, it's still in the present tense. That prayer you prayed last year is still being prayed today. That God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what's so glorious about prayer. Amen, guys? Am I praying in God's will? Don't worry about it. Pray what's on your heart. But always remember, pray. God, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. You won't be out of his will. So old Zach, Zacharias, praying. Angel comes. Guess what, Zach? Your prayer's heard. What's, what prayer is that? Your wife, Elizabeth. Now again, we do not have internally, which we mean scripturally wise, we don't have how old she is. So we have to kind of use historians. And some have speculated Elizabeth to be anywhere between 85 and 88 years of age. That's why Zacharias doubts the whole thing. He goes, there's no way I can believe that. My wife is barren. I'm past that age. Look at me. I am 90 and wrinkled up here. Harry's paraphrase is coming out this spring. It's important to remember that as we begin to look at Mary. But, but Zacharias can't get his mind wrapped around it. 
How's that going to happen? Well, they, well, Gabriel goes, are you kidding me? If you read it, and I don't want to just take up too much of our time. He goes, I am Gabriel. Zacharias, you are talking to an angel. I stand in the presence of God, and you're doubting me. See, he was doubting God because he thought physically this is impossible. Big difference between Mary's question. There's no way, okay, because you doubted, Zach, then you're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to speak. And from that point on, he had to use hand gestures. How do I know that? Well, in chapter 2, again, as they're ready to name the babe, the relatives come to the family and said, this is when John's getting circumcised. Hey, his name's going to be Zacharias, right? And so Elizabeth says, no, his name is going to be John. And the relatives turn around and said, well, this is, a, this is off the chart. This isn't the norm. So they look at John and it tells us there in chapter 2 that John has to use hand signals. Is it possible not only he was stricken with being dumb, unable to speak, but he couldn't hear as well. Because it does say he had to use gestures, signs. He had to say, no, no. He said, give me something to write with. So it's very possible that even Zacharias couldn't even hear at that time. So he wasn't using sign language and saying his, his name is John, but he did have to use signs of some sort. Well, after that, the angel, about six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel, he must be the sort of like the birth announcer. <laughs> he makes all the grand announcements when it comes to birth. He comes to Mary. And if you'll notice there, it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the, into the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph the son, uh, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. You know the critics today, even today, even say that the word virgin there means a young lady. And uh, in, in a sense they are right, you know. But when you read the context in scripture, you know that the angel who came, comes to a virgin you know, to fulfill prophecy is using the word virgin as a woman who's never had any intimacy with a man. Mary is somewhere between the age of 14 years of, uh, old to 16. Some have even speculated even younger than that. I have a hard time getting my mind around that. But somewhere around 14 years old, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and said, Mary, you know, you're a virgin. Now, the reason why I know it is a virgin and it is to be a sign, because a little later on, when she, has a, when she is having dialogue with, the, with Gabriel, she says, how is this possible seeing that I don't know a man? So no, not, not only is the word virgin used there twice as a miraculous sign, Mary even kind of supports that she's a virgin by saying, I don't know a man. And by the way, it was not odd in their culture to see a young woman, 14 to 16 years of age, who was betrothed, who possibly even consummated the marriage and then had a child. It was very common in those days. So what kind of sign would that be? No, she was a young lady raised in a godly home, raised where the word of God was, was so prevalent. We're worship, and I'll bring that out a little later in our message here, but she comes from a godly home, and, she, and, the, and the Gabriel comes to a virgin, and the, the, the idea of a virgin, it would be a sign. Isaiah chapter 7, let me read this to you. 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a what, gang? A sign. What kind of sign would it be if it was just a young lady who was pregnant? Wouldn't be a sign at all. There was, there was plenty of people there, you know, in the area that was pregnant at that age. It wasn't, it was just a common practice. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And you're going to name him what? Emmanuel. Again, interpreted God with us. So Isaiah is saying, look, Mary, you're chosen because you have chosen to live a life of purity. You've chosen to allow God to work in your life. And so she indeed was a virgin, and that was the sign. 
So be careful of the critics, gang. There's plenty of them out there today who want to take away the miraculous. Amen, guys? Well, let's follow down. Oh, um, and by the way, what's this idea with betrothed? See, in, in their culture, there was sort of like, how can I put it, three stages to this whole thing of what we would call marriage today. Most of them were prearranged. Mom and dad got together with a couple next door and says, you know, I like how you're living. You like how I live. Hey, if we have some kids, you want to kind of pair them together, you know, if you have a girl and I have a guy. And so that little Johnny and little Mary starts growing up together and say, yeah, this might work. And so they go into a legal document where they call it a spousal or they'll call it a betrothalment. That was a legal document. And, and if, if Joseph was to die at that stage of their engagement, she would actually be considered a widow, even though they never consummated their marriage. If Joseph wanted to divorce her, she would be considered someone who was divorced, even though they never consummated the marriage. Now, during the, the betrothalment, Joseph would be at home where dad is, you know, dad and mom. He's building an addition on the side of his house. So when he's all done preparing, you know, for his betrothal uh, spouse, I guess is the way you would put it. He, once he's done, he would go then to the gate of her city and with a loud voice, with a loud shout, he would say, Mary, I am ready. And she would gather her bridal party together and she, they would take off down the street and they would go into the house that he prepared for, uh, uh, for his spouse and then the marriage would be consummated, you know. That's how it worked back then. So now Mary is in the middle of this betrothalment. She is legally bound to Joseph. That's why it bothered Joe so badly when he heard, when he heard Mary's pregnant. Oh, well, think about it. Think about you got a girlfriend and your girlfriend comes to you and say, hey, listen, Har, I'm pregnant, but don't worry. God did it. Yeah, just for a moment, think about that, will you? You'll laugh. That's so unbelievable. Were you kidding me, Mary? No, really, God did it. Gabriel came to me and said, no wonder but I guess Joseph loved her because literally the law required her life. She was to be stoned. But he, he was mindful to put her away privately so no one would ever find out. And then in a dream, the Lord comes to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take unto you Mary. That's ah, just a great story. So, so, so the angel comes to Mary and it says, Hail, because you're highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Please, just as a real quick note, circle the word among, not above. You're blessed among women. Now listen, I want to say this too. Our Catholic friends have elevated Mary to a place she probably wouldn't even want to be. Co-redeemer. But the Protestant, on the other hand, has commonized her, said commonality, just putting her so far down and just trying to treat her like the average Joe. Listen, nowhere else in scripture, no, that's not right. One other place he, we use this word in the Greek, but nowhere else does they call, or he calls a woman highly favored and blessed. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. She is the blessed mother of our Lord, blessed Chosen, highly favored. Now, this Greek word here is only mentioned one other place, though, and I find that very interesting. In in Ephesians chapter in chapter one verse six, it says, "To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made uh, us accepted in the beloved." That word "accepted" is the same word, highly favored. Mary was highly favored. And so are you that have been accepted in the beloved. You're accepted, though, if you read that carefully, you're accepted because of the grace. Unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, that's what makes us highly favored. And that's the only reason. But there was something about Mary. And all, I'm going to point this out to you in, the, in our closing. But she was favored for, 
for several reasons. The idea that the angel would come and say hail. That word to hail. The word hail literally means it's okay. She's startled by this vision. It says in verse 29 that when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. This isn't a greeting you get every day. The angel said unto her, don't be afraid. So that tells me that maybe just, his, you know, she's troubled. The word there too, where it was used, her heart now is shaken. It's palpitating. He's saying, it's okay, Mary. You've been favored by God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, we would use the word Jesus if it was written out in the Hebrew, it would be Joshua. But literally, the name of Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. From the very get-go, she's starting to put it all together that God's going to use her for a glorious reason. And Jesus is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. Listen, guys. When he uses that word name, he's not using the J-E-S-U-S. When we pray that it's in the name of Jesus. How many of us finish our prayers that way? Just a brazen hand. In the name of Jesus, right? But you're not praying the name of Jesus. J-S, uh, J-E-S-U-S. The Greek word for name there is onema. And it's a very powerful word. It literally means what the name stands for. Not the name itself. That he is omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's all-powerful, omnipotent. He, is, he has the attributes of God. Everything that you see in God is in this child now. And his name is going to be, you're going to call him Jesus, or the Hebrews will call him Joshua, but his name is going to be the name that's above all names. There's no other name given unto man whereby they can be saved. It isn't just J-E-S-U-S. It is the onema of God, and it's what he stands for today. That's why when we celebrate Christmas together, when we talk about the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, When we start talking about the power of God, it's all encapsulated in the person of Jesus. It's the gift of God to mankind. Not just this little baby. And I'll be dealing with that tomorrow night. He wasn't in this... How many of you guys have a manger? Raise your hand you have a manger at home. Don't tell me you light it up too. Has it got hay in it? It's got little nice furry animals all kind of around. You know, you got this cow that looks like it just came, home, came down from heaven. Camels that look nice and clean. Don't worry, I have one. I'm not going to rain on it too badly. They're not scriptural. He stayed in a, it's called a, a, a clytium. It's, it was like, almost like a stone trough with rooms above that were carved out of stone. And then the inn up there where it says he found no room for it. Jesus was more likely born on the streets, not in a stable. He was placed in a manger, which was a stone trough. We've got some really messed up ideas of what Jesus was born into. She bared that child probably on a stone street, laying on her back or squatting. Jesus was born on a stone. He wasn't born in this Little, nice, comfortable, clean straw where the, even the mouse are praising him. I'll deal with that tomorrow night. You'll throw the way those manger scenes yet. No, I'm not. No, don't do that, please, because you know, my husband threw away my manger scene now. Just... Joe Foch told me he had one, so if he has one, I, I can have one. <laughs> You've been found favor. You're going to conceive a son. He is going to be great. Shall be called, notice, the son of the highest, highest God. You know, he is going to be the son of God. And now, now her wheels are spinning. The Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Has to be through the throne of David because prophetically the Messiah is going to come through that lineage of David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob. How long? 
forever. His kingdom, there shall be no end. I know we can read through this and we can hear the Charlie Brown story going off in our head, you know, but what what he's saying here, he is going to be the son of God. He is going to be God. And when it comes to his throne, it will last throughout eternity. That's who you're giving birth to, Mary. No wonder in verse 34, Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be? I'm a virgin, man. I don't know a guy. I don't know a man. I've kept my life pure. Now, I think that is a a legit question. Now, this isn't like like Zach. Zacharias is looking at his frail body at 90 years old, and and he's looking at Gabriel, who comes from God, stands in the presence of God, and says, no way, this is never going to happen. Look at this old guy. That's not what Mary is asking. And I think it's legit. He said, well, how is this thing going to happen? What are the nuts and bolts? I'm okay with it. Tell me how it works. That's why Gabriel responds. He doesn't respond to Zacharias. He just says, oh, Zach, you don't want to believe me? Okay, you'll be dumb. You're not going to talk until this boy is birthed. But for, for Mary, he responds. And he says, well, this is how it's going to work. The Holy Ghost, Mary, was, is going to come upon you. P, same experience that you and I have when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But the outpouring of the Holy Spirit hasn't taken place yet. But God is going to come upon you. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. The power of the highest, God, he's going to overshadow you. And he says, therefore, also, the holy thing that's, uh, that, which is shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Mary, it happens like this. The Holy Ghost is going to baptize you. The the shadow of the Most Highest, God himself, he's going to overshadow you. So that thing that you're going to carry in your womb isn't going to be a man. It's not going to have a human nature. It's going to have a God nature. Why is that important for you and I to believe, and not only to believe, but to accept? Because the one who died on the cross is the Lamb of God. This little baby boy birth in that little stone manger or whatever we want to call it for three you know 33 years later dying on the cross as the lamb the gift of God had to be the God man and not human man see when Jesus was born he didn't have human blood or so well, wait a minute I'll share a little bit about this tomorrow night he didn't have human nature he had a God nature that's why Jesus was perfect. That's why he could die for, the, for humanity. That's why, listen folks, all our sins, past, present, future, placed on a perfect limb. If he was just mere man, if, if Mary was just, uh, just a young woman who had relationships with some other man, if he was just a human being, he would have never been able to bear our sin on the cross. And you know what that means? You and I are still caught in the trespasses of our sins. And we are, we are still today doomed for hell. God's judgment. But because he was the God man. He was God in the flesh. With a God nature. Carrying within himself the attributes of God. He was able to take my sin. Everything I've done wrong. And all, even my mistakes that I'll make in the future. When he said, Eli, Eli, Lamesh, Vakhtani, my God, my God, why have you first? God, for the first time throughout all eternity, turned his back from himself, from his son, because of my sin, your sin. And that's why he could say, to tell us die, it's been paid for, it's finished. It's because Mary, the thing that's going to come upon you is going to be the Holy Spirit. The thing that's going to overshadow you will be the, the, the power of the Most Highest. It's going to be God himself. And that which was in you isn't going to be a son of a human, but he's going to be the son of God who's going to take away all your sins. That's how it works, Mary. She doesn't question it. She's not Zacharias. She doesn't question it. 
She embraces it. Sometimes, folks, the promises of God that God gives to us, come on, let's be real. From time to time, we go, I don't see how that's going to pan out, God. I don't see how that's going to work. You don't know me, God. I'm, I, I'm not that, you know, I'm not educated or God, I don't have the gifts and talents like that other guy. You know that, and we come up with all these human reasons of why God, why we're giving God excuses. Like Zacharias, no, I'm 90. Elizabeth's around 88. We're well, she's carrying around the stigma that she's barren. We'll see that a little later. People are calling her cursed, not blessed. But Mary's not like that. Mary embraces this promise. And I think the challenge to you and I, guys, even during this time, is God wants us to embrace his promises, not make excuses for them. Not say, God, hey, well, God, you know, I'm 63 years old, man. My knees are going out. My flat feet are giving me problems. I really can't do that much anymore. I'll just sit in the stool the rest of my life and wait till I croak. When God says to you and I, no, you're not done. Promises of God are yea and amen, man. We can embrace them. It doesn't matter if you're a 14-year-old junior high kid or whether you're in your senior years. God still wants to use you gloriously. Give me a fat amen, people. I actually hear some people saying, yeah, I'll leave that to the younger kids. Why? We might slow down. Yeah, don't give up on us old folks. Ah. He says, just to confirm it, confirmation. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month of her pregnancy who was called, she had that stigma, who was called barren. Oh, they never had a child. Oh, that's a shame. Back then, man, if you didn't have any offspring, you were considered cursed. And that's exactly what Elizabeth and Zacharias had to bear. Listen, it's not how will this happen, it's who, right? It's not how, it's who. Who's going to make this happen? And that's exactly what Gabriel told Mary. Man, we got to pick up the speed here. Stop slowing me down. Look what he says in verse 37. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Now how many of us know that as a kind of a memory verse? We use it, right? Yeah, it, and, and it's true. It's so true. And it's a verse we all should kind of, kind of hide in our hearts. You know, when God challenges us and we look at our bodies, we go, well, wait a minute, man. You know, I'm falling apart here. Maybe you should call somebody younger. Or maybe you should call somebody a little older who has a little bit more wisdom. But no, 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 no. With God, everything is impossible. You know what, I, I did a little research on that verse, though, um, because it's just something wasn't jiving with me. And so when, when that happens, I, I usually dig a little deeper into the Greek. And, and, and the Greek kind of gives a, a, not a different picture, but just maybe a different angle to look at this verse. The, by the way, the American Standard Bible really has this down to a T. The American Standard Bible has, for no word from God shall be void of power. Because we're going to see this in Mary's life where she says, I believe his word. And it's his word that I'm going to trust. The the reason why the American standard um, renders it that way for no, uh, no word from God shall be void of power is because mainly of the prefix that, that we see before the root word. The, the prefix would be uh, laupos in the Greek, and the word is rhema. And you, if you know your Greek, a little bit of your Greek, rhema is another um, word for word. You know, rhema, and the other word for word is logos or logos. So when you have the prefix before rhema, you have there is no word. And then where it says in that verse of... Uh, nothing shall be impossible. The word impossible with the prefix, it literally means ada dunamis. And we know the word dunamis to be power. So what he's saying there is, for no word of God is without power. That's a literal translation of that verse, the verse that says to you and I, for with God nothing shall be impossible. What he's really saying is that with God, every word sustains power. There's something powerful with the word of God. 
Mary has been given a glorious promise through God's word. You'll see this in her song in a second. To you and I, the application is that God shares his word with us. Richie was sharing about that on on Wednesday evening. If you want to go back and look at the archives there. He shared with us on Wednesday night that God spoke something to his heart. And he was able to embrace that word. And it helped him through a difficult time in his life. And we've all had those experiences, right? Mayan was when the Lord spoke to me, fear thou not, I'm with thee, don't be dismayed, I am your God. When God spoke that word to me, it brought forth a power. And there is something powerful. And the word there, in the, it isn't uh, exousia, there's something with authority in his word. Though there is authority with the word of God, that's not what he's saying here. That's not what she's saying. She's saying with the word of God, there is something so powerful. And it's still that way today. See, a lot of times, again, we always look for the how can that happen? And what kind of programs can I embrace? And how can I make the church grow? No, what the Lord had shared with me years ago that God adds daily to the church such that it should be saved. It's his working, not man's working. And it brings forth a power in our lives. But the question is this, gang. If we lack devotion in the word, If we lack those daily devotions when we read the word. And you don't have to try to figure out everything. Just read the word and allow the word to become alive and sharp and powerful. You know, uh, sharper than a double-edged sword. If you're not in the word, it will never become powerful. Never become sharp. You'll always be questioning like Zacharias. How's this going to happen? No way this can happen. Anyway. Mary said, Behold, notice, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to what? Your word. Why? Because there's so much power. There's there's authority and power behind every word of God. Mary arose in those days. She goes up to the hill country, makes haste to Judah. She enters into the house of Zacharias and she salutes her cousin Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, Johnny be good there. John the Baptist leaps in her womb. She's six months pregnant. She speaks out with a loud voice. She says, blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And for whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? She's blown away by this visit. She understands who Mary is. And she's blown away that Mary would come and even hang out. For lo, as soon as the voice of the salut- your salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. And this is, this is Elizabeth. Blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which shall be told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Now, so, there's a debate amongst the scholars of when this song starts. My gut is it started here. The poetry, whether it was just a, a piece of poetry or whether this was a song and then be, uh, or it became a song, it really doesn't matter. I just want you to see Mary's heart in this. Number one, she's, it says, my soul does magnify the Lord. And, and number two, my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Now listen, I want you to take a little bit of notes here. Here, Listen, if you would please, you can work, circle that word soul there. And I think there's a big difference between soul and spirit. A lot of people, especially the economists, they want to believe the spirit and the soul are the same thing. I disagree. I think they're completely separate. See, the word there in the Greek where it talks about her soul is the word, same word you and I would get, psyche. It's her emotions. It's her joy. It's, it's, it's her, you know, maybe depression. It's sadness. It's mountaintops. It's valleys. It's our experiences emotionally. Sometimes when we go through some songs where our hands are up in the air, we say, man, I was so affected. Well, your psyche was. But in verse twenty or 47, where she uses the word soul, that's pneuma. That is the place where the Holy Spirit indwells. That too can be affected. What she's saying, this news that was brought to her, that the, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon her and that the, the shadow of the most uh, holy is going to overshadow her, that in herself has called her, caused her whole being 
her psyche, her soul to begin to rejoice in God. And I believe that both can happen. Individually, where my emotions are stirred, nothing wrong with that. But there's something a little deeper when the soul is affected, the place where the Holy Spirit now resides. He's living in you. It's the place where you were born again. It's the place where God's Spirit came into your spirit and you were dead and caught in the trespasses of sin. And now you're alive under God. That's why you say you don't go by your psyche, whether you feel like you're saved or not. It's within a soul. And that's why I always say to you guys that when you're born again, you're never in question of that again. Now, do we ever struggle with it? Yes, we do. But a born-again Christian never doubts his salvation. He doesn't. He wonders why God would save the like of him. He even might question, can I lose it? Which I don't think you can. But deep down inside, you ask a young believer, are you saved? Oh, yes, I am. Well, how do you know? Well, I don't know exactly how I know, but I know because I know I am born again. And if I were to die tonight, I'd be in the presence of God. Man, when I first became a, a Christian, it wasn't until later on until I got messed up with the church that I started questioning things. But deep down inside the believer, because of his soul, has been raised to life. He's been born again. He now experiences a hope that surpasses human understanding. Amen? That's what's happening with Mary here. And I'm going to read through this, and I'm going to try to wrap this up. It says... In verse 48, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done great things. And holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him. Not afraid of him. Not scared of him. Not like a phobia where I can't come to God. But there's now a reverence. And God shows great mercy to those that reverence him. That's the beginning of knowledge, isn't it? God never wants you to be afraid where you're afraid to come to him. But he does want to come to you like a Moses. Take off your shoes, buddy. You're on holy ground. He goes on, or she goes on in her song. He said in verse 51, he hath shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things. He's made rich. Sent, um, I'm sorry. And the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel. He's remembered his mercy. As, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. This is a beautiful song. And if you were to take time and really go through it, you would discover there's over 15 quotes out of the test, Old Testament. Out of the Torah. She's quoting the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. Somehow, and this is why I bring this to your attention, but somehow she is, she is filled with, with scripture. For her to come out with this song and just being full or swamped with scripture, where did she get those? Well, maybe she went to school. No, 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 no. See, mannerisms and customs teach that women back then, especially at this age, they didn't go to school. They were prepared for other things. They didn't, they don't go to, they didn't go to rabbinical school. And, and very um, reputable scholars say that most likely Mary could have been illiterate. 14 years old, illiterate. And yet she comes out with a song like this. How? How did that? Doesn't that bug you sometimes when you, you find, well, then if she was illiterate and she didn't know. Ah, so I dug. I dug a little deeper. This is this is pretty cool. See, we 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 get to we get um, Mary's dad's name, Joachim. We get that from scripture through genealogies. Women weren't normally named in genealogies, so we don't have any idea scripturally internally how what what um, Mary's mother's name was. So we kind of go and we start to look for what we call external evidence, which would be what we find um, through different writings. Whether they would be people like Josephus or Eubius, some of these church historians. And what I found out was very, very interesting. What I found out, and, and this comes 
even before Constantine came into Israel for you historians, this is around the second century that we discovered that Mary's mother's name was Anne. And um, the historians say that Joachim and Anne were very godly parents, almost unusually godly as how one commentary put it. That they were known for their house to be filled with music and scripture verses. And, and most likely, the reason Mary's faith was like this and, and she was filled with scriptures because it's something she was raised in. Her home was saturated with worship and with praise and adoration towards Jehovah. No doubt, Dad was saturating her mind with scripture verses. And, and as a result of that, there's three, there's three things we see in Mary's life that is it's to, for sometimes, for, it's overwhelming to me sometimes when I look at this young girl. The first thing that we see in her, because of the way she was raised, is we see she had a life of purity. We, yeah, we kind of read that in verse 27. A virgin, a spouse to a man named Joseph of the house of David, a virgin whose name, hey, how can this happen to me? I don't, I've never had uh, relations with any other man. She was a virgin. She kept her life pure. No doubt she had a great relationship with her dad. And I think today, guys, it's so difficult, isn't it? Raising especially girls. Try to try to tell a, a junior high, keep yourself pure, honey. God wants you to stay a virgin. And, and you just think, man, I, I am fighting a losing battle with the internet, with what public school teaches today. And just the way our culture is telling us to embrace different certain lifestyles. These are 14-year-old girls. And when a dad is absent from their lives, not challenging them and not, not giving them the word. What, what fighting chance do they have to be like a Mary? To be a, live a life of purity? Listen, the, uh, the only way is for, I don't care how old you are either, a young woman or a, a young man. The challenge is even to young boys. Keep yourself pure. You don't have to experience sex. I read this very disturbing. I get these uh, articles, mental health journals. I started getting them went back when I became involved with police chaplaincy. But kids are experiencing pornography at the age of 10 today, even younger. But right now, the majority of the young boys at the age of 10 are viewing it through their iPhones or what other means they have. And then dad's taking them to church and putting them into Sunday school. and The only way, the only fighting chance that our young people have today is through the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God has power. Yet again, it's, it, it's not who, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not how, it's who. It's the rhema and the logos. It's the power you know, in Psalms 119, when I was going through this, I, I, of course, it's a familiar verse, but it says, Where, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed uh, thereto according to thy word? Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thy commandments. Your word have I hid in my heart. It's the word. So she lived a life of purity. And I believe it's because her parents had a house where it was saturated with worship and praise. It was a place where, where it was just saturated with the word of God. You know, it says in Colossians, see if I can dig this up real quick. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Some have even translated that word dwell to mean home. Let the word of Christ dwell in your homes, in you richly with all wisdom, teaching, 
admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing grace in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, I can see the difference between Irma and I. She's not here, I'll talk about her. My wife was raised in a very godly home. A lot of you ladies know my mother-in-law, this sweet little German woman. She, but her house was always a house filled with mom singing hymns where dad prayed at the meals, where dad encouraged his kids to say true the word. My, my father-in-law was uh, an elder in a church, I think the whole time I knew him. And I wasn't raised that way. How many of us was not raised that way, right? So it's important now that we fill our homes with songs and spiritual hymns and letting the word of God dwell us richly. That's what gives these kids a fighting chance today. I get it. Not everyone can send their kids to Christian school. Not every parent is called to send their kids to Christian school. And I get that. It's foolish for anyone to think that everyone should. But if you're not embracing them in home with the word, then you're sending them into a battle with no sword. You're sending them into the battle with no, no way to protect their hearts. Not only did she live a life of, of, of purity, but also she trusted the Lord implicitly, you know, without any reservation. If you notice there where it says in verse 38, Lord said, Mary said, hey, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. That's trusting the Lord without reservation. At 14 years old, being a virgin, yeah, Lord, if this is what's going to happen, and it's not so much of how, but who's going to do it, I'm in. And that's something we could trust, we could teach our children even today. We can, we can teach each other, can't we? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. We can encourage one another. And then lastly, if we look down there in verse 45, blessed is He, this is Elizabeth, blessed is she that believed for there shall be a performance of those things which will be told her, Lord. She, she believed the Lord wholeheartedly in her heart. As difficult as this was going to sound, unlike Zacharias, Zacharias couldn't get it because he was just looking at the physical frame. But Mary, she didn't. Mary looked at the word of God and realized that with God, everything is powerful. That his word contains all the power I need. Maybe that's where you're at today. You know, Christmas can be a difficult time. Richie, if you'll make your way out, buddy. Christmas can be a very difficult time. I said this last week, too. And uh, not realizing, we, I had a couple of folks in the church that were going through it. Some of them were dealing with cancer and not too long ago, a dear friend of mine just lost her 10-year-old daughter to neuroblastoma. She was here last week. And then Christmas just, it kind of just brings that all to the surface again. Sometimes we, we lose loved ones close to this, this time of the year and we start to just, Lord, just give me the strength. It's going to take everything I, I've got to make it through that. Listen, I just want to tell you that if you look at yourself like Zachariah looked at him and his wife, you'll be dumb. Unable to praise him. Unable to thank him. Your tongue will be bound. But if you're like Mary, your tongue will be loose. You'll sing a song. And it won't sound like a dirge. I don't know. What is it with people? They think the slower the song is, the more spiritual it is. It's like I want to go in the basement and dig out the hole. And get... I hope my brother don't have a slow song right now. I'm gonna, he's going to let me. <laughs> oh, my soul doth magnify the Lord. You think she was just going, oh, I'm so blue. But that's what happens. That's what happens, folks, when we look at the physical. But when we look at the spiritual, when we look at what God can do through the power of his word, we can be like Mary. Oh, my soul doth magnify the Lord. 
But if you're here today, man, and you're just, you're carrying something, it's Christmas season, it's a difficult time of the year for you, don't run out of here. There'll be people up front wanting to pray with you, encourage you. Let's stand together. See you tomorrow night, yeah? Bring a relative, bring a neighbor.